0: we're excited to have Lonnie and Belinda Riley with us today they come from the Appalachian Mountains in Lynch Virginia Kentucky <laughs> I was just seeing it <laughs> what it is is that you can't it's as far in Kentucky as you can go before you hit Virginia there's a mountain called Black Mountain that separates and it's about six miles straight up the mountain and uh, How many of you have been there? Wave your hand if you've been there. Several of you here have made that trip and several more will be making it. But we're excited to have him here about 30. I think it was in 2013 that my daughter brought me a CD and said, Dad, you've got to listen to this. And when I listened to Lonnie's message, I immediately called him and I said, I want to meet you because he was talking about God in a way that i hadn't heard many people talk about god and it was the way that i believe god did things and so we met started taking trips and it's it's been a blessing for us ever since we want you to welcome him as he comes let me just let everyone know we're going to be taking up an offering after service for uh lonnie and belinda ushers will be at those doors so make sure that you're able to give before you go out. Would you put your hands together now and welcome Lonnie Riley.
1: Wow. You know, I can hardly wait to get to heaven. You know why? I'm going to be able to sing like Natalie. That's going to be good, isn't it? Yeah. Y'all be clapping for Jesus when I get to heaven singing like that. Uh, By the way, y'all be able to sing like that, too. So that's a good thing, isn't it? Uh, If you have your Bible with you this morning, turn with me to John chapter 6. I'll begin reading there in a few minutes. But while you're turning there, let me just uh, bring you up to date on where we are in this passage. Now, this is a familiar story to many of you. This is about the five loaves and two fish. Y'all with me so far? There were 5,000 men... And some theologians say that there, there could have been as many as 15,000 people in that crowd, when you count everybody. Now, I didn't say that there was. I don't know. But I'm just telling you what the experts say. Maybe I'm just a practical guy. But do you really believe that Jesus fed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish? You know why you believe that? Because it's in the book right it's in the Bible you got to believe it. it's in there now don't answer this question at least out loud well let me ask you this do you now believe that God can take your life with five loaves and two fish and feed the multitudes or is it just a story that you tell your kids and grandkids about but it really doesn't affect me it does affect you sir It does affect you, ma'am, because if this word is not true in you, it can't be true there. The Bible is a living word. Therefore, it's to be alive somewhere. And the only place that the word can be alive is in people like you and me. So, I wanted to know, if God is really real, if God really did these things, why can't he do them where I am? Why is it that I'm always hearing about God doing that somewhere else, but i never get to see it here? I want to see it here. Now, I'll, I'll diverge, you know, kind of move away a little bit. I was reading through the Scripture, and you know what Jesus' first sermon was? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven, can you finish it? Is at hand. Now, I know everybody says that Jesus is near the coming age, all that stuff, but when I was reading that day, The Lord said to me, Lonnie, if you repent, now I want you to know, I had been in ministry 20 years. I had been serving the Lord faithfully 20 years. When God came to me and said, Lonnie, when you repent, my kingdom will be at hand. I said, okay. I preached that. 20 years I've been preaching that. But he stopped me and he said, Lonnie, where's your hand? I said, it's right there. He said, when you repent, that's where my kingdom will be. And I said, Lord, if I could see you do one thing that I couldn't take credit for, I would praise you. One thing. Now, I'd been in ministry 20 years. I knew how to do all this stuff. I knew how to put it together just right, and I knew how to tell you how to do it. But when God came to me, it revolutionized my whole walk with him because now I wanted the kingdom of God to be where I am. But Jesus had the five loaves and two fish. He blessed them, broke the bread. I didn't really say he broke the fish. Maybe they ate whole fish. I don't know. If you've ever been to Russia, that's exactly what you do. You eat the whole fish. But anyway, um, <clears throat> he distributed to his disciples. That would be the you. And you, and you, and you, and you. We're we're now the disciples, right? So he delivered that five loaves and two fish to the disciples and said, okay, y'all go feed them now. 15,000 people, a few more than we have here this morning. Way in the back, you probably couldn't see that. So Jesus, as was the custom, was sitting on an elevated platform. That's where we get this from, you know. That That was New Testament times. And he was teaching. And then his disciples saw the amazing miracle of God. Jesus was still sitting on the stone. But when the disciples went out with the bread and the fish, all of a sudden they saw, wow, it's multiplying. That's what Jesus wants in you and you and you. He's going to give you something. It might not look like a piece of bread or a fish, but it's going to be something. He's given everyone in this room something. And when you go out and distribute that, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will see the miracle of God happen right in front of you. That's what God wants for us. And I tell you, I just got tired. I just got tired of everybody else telling the story. And I didn't have a story to tell except Jesus saved me 20 years ago. If that's the only testimony you got, that's a good one. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Well... They fed 15,000. Disciples get in the boat, go across the lake. Jesus gets along to pray. Other boats came in during the night. You'll have to read it in John 6. I won't read the whole passage to you. And uh, they get up the next morning. No Jesus, no disciples, and no food. But these other boats came in during the night, so they jump in these boats, and they head across the lake. And uh, verse 25 is where we'll pick it up. Verse 25, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, obviously, he had to come sometime during the night, right? Number one is an idiotic question to ask. When they, when, only, how much time do you have to get across this lake? But Jesus, not even responding to the question, said to them, verse 26, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, in Kentucky, we'd say it like this. You know why y'all here this morning? Because you got a free dinner last night. And you're looking for a free breakfast this morning. Isn't that what they were there for? You didn't come seek me. You came to see because you ate this food. That's why you came. And then Jesus said an amazing truth to them. Verse 27, therefore, do not labor for food which perishes. Man, when I read that, it struck me like a ton of lead. You know what that is? That's a whole lot of lead to hit you, right? And I'm thinking, labor for food which perishes. Why is it, sir, that we work 40 to 60 hours every week? Isn't it so we can put food on the table, put clothes on our back, have a roof over our head? And surely the Scripture says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Is that why we work? Well, Jesus said... Don't work for that stuff. What? That's what he said. Don't work for things that perish. You know, everything you see is going to perish soon. Isn't it? The seat you're sitting in won't be here forever. It's going to perish. It's going to be gone. And if all you're working for is a paycheck so you can have food and clothes and shelter, you can have the food, clothes, and shelter, but you'll miss life. And you'll miss the miracles of God in your life if that's all you're working for. And then he goes on to say, don't work for things which perish, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. That means invest yourself in something that will outlive you. And I guarantee you, the kingdom of God will outlive you. It'll outlive anybody in this room. So we decided we were going to invest our lives in the kingdom, and we'll let God take care of our needs. I know you... Th- now, I'm not suggesting everybody live like I do. But the Bible says, The just shall live by faith. It also says, We will walk by faith and not by sight. We're so accustomed to walking by sight, we don't know what faith looks like. Here's what we say. We change the Scripture around. The Bible says, Jesus looked at his disciples. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and they figure out what to do next. Is that what He said, no my sheep hear my voice and they follow me do you know we know how to do for God but we've forgotten how to follow we've forgotten how to follow I remember as a boy growing up on the farm my dad was to me was a giant of a guy as a kid and I loved dad hugging me because there was security in the father's hug still is by the way but just a different father. And every morning we'd get up and we'd have to go milk the cows and feed the horses so we could work that day. And, and it would snow. And my dad would take the big steps along the way and he'd have a footprint in the snow. And he'd have my hand and he'd be pulling me along behind him as we went to the barn. And I couldn't quite make it. So I had to jump just to stay in his steps. Kind of reminded me of what Jesus meant. My sheep hear my voice and they jump to stay in my step that's what God wants from us and so Jesus said don't work for food which perishes." can God take care of your needs sir well let me take you back to Matthew chapter 6 we sang about it today beautiful song why don't you consider the sparrow you know what a sparrow is right it doesn't sow nor does it reap but God feeds them Doesn't God love you more than the sparrow? You know why he does? Because you've been created in the image of God. He loves you. And he wants to provide for you. He knows how to feed you just like he does the sparrow. Now, is that true or is that a story you tell your kids about? Got to be true. Don't worry about what you shall wear, Matthew wrote. Because why don't you consider the lily of the field? I tell you, Solomon in all of his glory is not dressed like one of them. But is here today and gone tomorrow. Doesn't God love you and know how to clothe you more than the lily of the field? Of course he does. And then it goes on to say in, in Matthew 6, my wife's favorite verse. First seek ye the kingdom of God, something that will outlast you, First seek ye the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, what things? Food, clothing, and shelter will be... That's not rocket scientist stuff. It's just simply believing God is true. Is God true? Yes, He's true. And He will be faithful to do it for you. Back to verse 27. Do we have other ones? We don't have it up there yet. Verse 27, if you all with me. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. I did not say that. He did. You mean He will give me all these things? That's what He said. So I just believe God. Make sense? I just believe God. And God will take care of exactly what you need. Because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? That was an interesting question to me. Now, let's put it back in context. They had just seen the Lord feed 15,000 with five loaves and two fish. Actually, they'd seen the disciples do it at the request of the Father. And uh, now they came, and they said, we want to ask you one question, my translation. How can we do what you just did? Is that not what he says? What shall we do that we may work the works of God? You just worked the work of God. What can we do that we can do the same thing? Jesus said, greater works than I have done will you do. And Jesus' amazing theological response was pretty clear. Verse 30, or verse 29. Then Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent, period. You mean, to me, that's the end of the story. You mean all I have to do is believe in Jesus? Well, how did you get saved? You believed in a man you'd never seen. You believed he died on a cross 2,000 years ago, was placed in a borrowed tomb, raised again the third day, ascended back to the Father, and now he's making intercession for you and me, and someday soon he's coming to get his bride. You believe that, and you believed it so much. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there. And you believe that so much that it changed your life forever. Eternity was changed because you believed that. But somehow along the way, we have been convinced that once we're saved, we've got to figure out life on our own, that God has somehow been removed from us, and we've got to figure all this out by ourselves. That is so far from the truth, I can't even tell you how far, as the east is from the west. Do you know you can measure how far it is from north to south? You cannot measure how far it is from east to west. There is no division line. And sometimes we need to come back to the point where we believe God. So now I'm reading this myself, right? And I'm saying, God, you're going to have to teach me how to do that. And so uh, God taught me how to do that. I was in Mississippi at that time, pastoring a church running around 500 or so. We'd built a $3.7 million building, moved into it debt-free. The church bought my wife and I our dream home. They bought us, this is for your benefit, they bought us a five bedroom, three bath, Tudor State Executive Home, right near a 40 acre lake. And a guy in the church said, now you can't live near a lake, not have a boat, so he gave me a new bass boat. We had Cadillacs, whatever we wanted we had. The church was very generous and very wealthy. And uh, my my mother-in-law passed away in our home. She lived with us for the last seven years of her life and we cared for her. By the way, Care for your parents. Honor your father and your mother. And God will honor you. Guarantee it. And so we took care of her until she passed away. We took her back to Lynch to bury her beside uh, her husband there, where my wife is from. is from Lynch, Kentucky. Several people came by and said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, I sure am. They said, we need somebody to come to the mountains and help us. Nobody will help us here. And I saw the poverty, illiteracy hopelessness in the eyes of the people and I responded like most Christians will do I said man you sure do need help <laughs> and I'll what yeah and I'll pray for you we really don't mean that sometimes we mean it but we don't do it I mean you walk away from somebody and you forget to pray for them right now don't look at me like I'm the only one that does that surely I'm not and so uh, sometimes you just forget and, but anyway now we start praying with people when they ask us to pray for them that way you don't forget all this stuff but anyway, um, we went on our way back down to Mississippi. We were going to enjoy the good stuff God had given us. And the Lord was sitting in the back seat of our car. And he spoke to us that day. And he said, Lonnie, that's where I want your life to be, in Lynch, Kentucky. And um, I looked at my wife, and God had spoken to her the same time, the same word. And we were both weeping in our car and so we left Mississippi and went back to Lynch, Kentucky and here's what the Lord said the Lord said, Lonnie you won't have a big fancy home when you get to Lynch, now if you have a fancy home God bless you, been there, done that I'm not anti that, I'm not here to be critical of anybody because I've been there Um, there are no nice homes in Lynch fancy homes, but they're nice homes and God's given us a nice home we don't have big fancy automobiles if you do, God bless you, been there but God's given us some nice vehicles Notice what I'm saying to you. God has given to us. God still does that. And the Lord said, uh, you won't have a big six-digit income salary with all the perks. In fact, you won't have any salary at all. And for the last 23 years, my wife and I have lived without any salary from any agency or organization or institution. God has provided, just like he promised, He would through the sparrow and the lily and anything else. But the Lord said, Lonnie, though you don't have all these things, I want you to know that you'll have me. And I said, Lord, as long as I have you, you're all I need. You are all I need. Now, I'm here to tell you, uh, if you think you need Jesus plus something else, you've missed the mark. He is enough. He is more than enough. Why do you think we've been singing these songs? That's real stuff. He is more than enough for you. And so we trusted God to provide for us, and God has provided every single step of the way. Now, when we got to Lynch, Kentucky, I don't have a piece of paper here, but uh, I don't need one. I'll I'll just make do. When we got to Lynch, Kentucky, we sat down on, yeah. Thank you very much. Ours wasn't this fancy, but it's nice. <laughs> we sat down at the kitchen table, and we began to pray. Lord, we don't have a clue what you want to do. We just come back to lunch just to obey you. We don't have a clue what you want to do. But here's our strategy. Do you see that? That's a blank piece of paper. Here's what we're going to do for you. Zero. But here's what we said. But we want you to know, Lord, whatever you write on this, It's already yes We're not going to question you We're not going to doubt you We're not even going to try to figure out how to get it done We're just going to say yes And God began to write on that paper And I'll tell you how He writes on the paper for us It may be different for you And for the last 23 years God has never stopped Writing on the paper He never will Because that's his will for us to follow Him in the process of what He wants to do to reach the world and extend His kingdom. It's all about Him. Well, I'll begin by telling you the first story that I started a little later with before. December, cold winter, 30 degrees below zero, wind chill factor. I'm just telling you how God writes on the paper so you can believe Him. I go out the back door of my home. On my back step, there sits two big boxes pick them up, take them in the house yell at my wife, I said honey come look at this she said what is it, I said I don't have a clue but somebody left these two boxes on their back doorstep all taped up and um, she said what's in the boxes (laughs) I said I don't know but just in case it's a bomb, I want you down here with me, I'm not going to go I'm not going to go by myself and so we opened these two boxes and there were two 15 pound boxes of cookie dough cookie dough. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't refreeze some cookie dough. It'll ruin, right? Now, listen, we don't connect the things of our life with God, but you have to. God works more than on Sunday morning. I mean, when you go out there in the world, God is working every single moment of your life, and if you're not looking for God to show up, you will miss it when He does. And so, uh, I said, come on down and look at this, 2.15 pound box and I said what in the world are we going to do with 30 pounds of cookie dough she said we're going to bake cookies (laughs) so we did we baked cookies for days house was smelling great by the way we wrapped them up on paper plates put aluminum foil it's December remember and we put a bowl on top according to the Appalachian Regional Commission out of Washington DC the unemployment rate in Lynch at that time was 53 percent it's reduced now Uh, not a whole lot but it has reduced and um, we walked up and down the streets of Lynch. And we knocked on the doors. and Here's what we said. We just want you to know that God hasn't forgotten you this Christmas. We don't know if you're going to get anything else or not. But God wanted us to come by. I get emotional today. And tell you that he still loves you. And if you don't get anything else, he wants you to have these Christmas cookies. And we gave all of them away. We would stop police officers on the street and give them the cookies. If you've been faithful in the little, I will give you more. But those who are faithful in the little, hear this, never seek more. They only seek God. All I want to see is Him, and He is enough. So the cookie dough experience really launched our perception of how God was going to provide and write on this paper. So I get a call from a widow lady, snowing. I hope you don't throw rocks at me, but when it snows where we are, I've got a two-wheel drive truck, 1999 Ford two-wheel drive truck. So when it snows, my wife and I get out and play around in the snow, find an empty parking lot and do donuts. I know, don't throw rocks at me. It's kind, of, it's kind of fun to do that in Eastern Kentucky. But anyway, we were going out, going to have some fun in the snow, and this widow lady called and said, I forgot my prescription. said, it's snow, and I can't go down and get it. Would you mind going down and getting my prescription at the pharmacy? I said, we'd be glad to do that. So we went down and uh, got the prescription at the pharmacy, took it to her, and um, she gave us a $10 bill, threw it down in the snow, told Belinda if she didn't pick it up, it would lay there. She wanted to give it to a missionary, and my wife was a missionary. So we picked it up on our way to Pizza Hut. And when I walked in Pizza Hut, there sat Homeless Tommy. <clears throat> homeless, homeless Tommy really wasn't homeless. He just moved from apartment to apartment until people caught him. They kicked him out, and he moved to the next empty apartment he could find until they found him again. And I said, Tommy, how you doing today, buddy? He said, I'm not doing well. I said, what's the matter? He said, well, I'm in this old apartment. So my kerosene heater, um, it broke down and my wick burned out. And I don't have a wick from a kerosene heater. I said, well, jump in the truck. Belinda and I will take you down and see if we can find one for you. We went down to the local hardware store and found one wick that fit his old kerosene heater. And the wick cost us $9.95. You understand? God gave us more than enough. You see, that's what the song says. That's what the scripture teaches. He's more than enough. And so Tommy was satisfied, and we got to share it with him. And Tommy later on gave his heart to Jesus before he passed. You see, writing on a paper is not for you, writing on the paper is for him. And he wants his kingdom extended. Remember what I said? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is right there where you are. Right there where you are. That's where I want it to be. Right where I am, so that I could experience the mighty work of God. So now we fast forward the DVD a little bit, and um, everybody in town had hedges growing around their house. You know what hedges are, right? And between our house and the church, there were 13 empty homes. Everybody was moving out. And they came to me and said, uh, well, I don't know why you're moving in town. The word is the last one in town leaves town, turn out the lights. Now, I don't know how you would respond to that, but God had told us to come there. And you know what I said? I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to turn out the lights, but I want you to know this. If God sent me here to turn out the lights, that'd be the greatest thing this old boy could ever do. Is do one thing for God and if he wants me to turn out the lights I'll turn them out but I don't think God's gonna do that and so I went up and down the street in this uh, 13 empty homes and I went down to Walmart and bought me a set of hedge clippers 2499 still have them and I got me an extension cord and went up and down the street just trimming everybody's hedges I didn't ask permission I didn't knock on the door to see if anybody was home. I figured God sent me there to help. The least I could do is help make the town look better, so I'd clean it up a little bit. And uh, <clears throat> this guy came by the house. My wife and I sitting out in the backyard as we do in the evening a lot. And he said, "Man, uh, somebody told me you as a preacher might be able to help me." I said, "Well, if I can, I will." He said, "I need seventy-five dollars." Told me what he needed for his family needed some food and some other things. I said, "Man, I tell you what, I don't have seventy-five dollars." But if God gives me $75, I'll let you have it. Pretty good deal. I took down his information. I know he thought in his mind, this is a preacher guy. I'm never going to hear from him again. To be honest with you, I didn't know if he would because I hadn't committed anything I didn't have. And uh, next day, my wife and I were sitting out in the same backyard after working most of the day, which we did and still do. Uh, this lady pulls up in a Jeep from Ohio, gets out and came up to me and crossed her arm and said, I came to pay my bill. I said, well, ma'am, you don't owe me a bill as I know of. I've never seen you before in my life. She said, aren't you the guy going up and down the street trimming everybody's hedges? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm doing that because God sent me here, not because I need any money. She said, well, I own the old house three doors up from you. Always pay to have my hedges clipped. You did a good job, and I'm going to pay you. She pulled out a $100 bill and laid it on that door we were working on. She said, now, if you don't pick up the $100 bill, it's going to lay there. Now, you don't say that to a broke preacher in eastern Kentucky, right? <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, I'm going down to Western Citizen tonight to buy me a steak. That's the best we can do. And it's 40 miles away from where we live. Uh, Western Citizen, you all know what that is? Oh, you do? Wow, I thought they were all gone by now, but uh, it was a good it was a good steakhouse back in the day. Y'all still have them up here? That's what I thought. <clears throat> but anyway, as I was going in the door, God said, "Now wait a minute, Lonnie. You told that boy if I gave you seventy-five dollars, you'd give it to him. I just gave you seventy-five. You understand? You got to connect. You got to connect what God does in your life with His will." And so I sat down at the phone, called that unsuspecting young man on the other end. I said, man, I want you to know that God has been good to you today. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I told you yesterday if God gave me $75, I'd give it to you. So come on, God just gave me $75. Come on down and pick it up. You'll know tonight when you sit down to a nice warm meal for the first time and the needs of your family have been met, you'll know that the Lord Jesus has been exceptionally good to you. I was going out to give him that $75. God touched me on the shoulder and said, boy, I just want you to know. Not only did I give That guy, the $75? But I just paid you back for your $24.99 hedge clippers all in one shot. (laughs) God, God is more than enough. He who is faithful in the little will always receive more from God. Because the guy who's working for the little, not interested in the more. He's interested in doing the will of God right now. At this moment in time and so uh that's how we began our journey and all of a sudden people started coming to lynch like your wonderful church comes twice a year most of the time and uh we we have never called a church to say will you come and help us somehow god just puts us together with people now over 60,000 volunteers strong that we have had come to lynch kentucky not a single person that would call. I think that has to be God. Has to be God. And so, now you got to look at this from my end. The first year, 600 people showed up. Second year, 1,200 people showed up. Now, our whole town has 800 to 1,000 people. So, more people were coming in to town than we had people. Now, look at this from my point of view. Where are these people going to sleep? Where are they going to eat? And hopefully, where are they going to take a shower <laughs> during that whole week? <laughs> so, you've got you to pray for this. Uh, so, now, I wish I could tell you how we pray. That's a whole different seminar there on how to pray. Because how you pray is just as important as that you pray uh, to get results from God. And so, uh, we began to pray for a mission house. Not for our purpose, but for the hundreds of people who were coming. And we were praying for a 13-room home, which sold on the auction for $25,000. I thought, Lord, I, I missed you in this. You're going to have to teach me how to pray. So I don't. James says, you have not because you ask not, and you have not because you ask what? Amiss. You know what I said? God, if there's a way to pray and miss it, there's got to be a way to pray and hit it. I want to know that way. And God taught me how to pray. And we began to pray. And this, Two weeks later, this uh, investor came from Georgia and saw the old hospital in town was vacant. It's four floors, 89 rooms. Now, I'd never seen that as being part of the ministry. But he said, Lonnie, find out who owns that old building. I'll buy it for you and unless you use it for 10 years for a dollar a year. You can put all your missionaries in there. I said, wow, this would be great. So I called around, found out that Ark Land Company owned it out of St. Louis, Missouri and hooked up the vice president in charge of properties with this investor. Well, three months later, the vice president from St. Louis calls me back. said, Lonnie, that deal fell through, but that guy in Georgia is not going to buy that building for you, and my boss is on to me to sell that. I said, man, don't sell that. He said, why not? I said, because I believe God wants to use that in the mountains for his glory. He said, you really believe that? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, why don't you buy it? That's called putting your faith where your mouth is. I said, okay, I will. How much do you want for that? $85,000 can't take anything less. I said, okay, I'll buy it. He said, how much money you got? I said, oh, I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any money. I said, but my Heavenly Father's rich, and when he gets ready, he'll buy this building for me. Now, we don't do fundraisers. If you do fundraisers, that's fine. I'm not, he- I'm not anti-fundraisers. But we just think God knows what the need is. God knows what the provision is. And God knows how to put them together. So we just let God do that. And so we began to pray for this $85,000. It was amazing. One of our friends passed away. His estate sent us a check for $5,000 or so. Said, do whatever you want to with this. Now, everything God gives to us is just cookie dough, right? Once we give it away, it just multiplies. So I've got to make a decision is this mine, or is this cookie dough? God's constantly reminding you of that. So we said, this cookie dough, we've got to give this away. I told my wife, I said, we've got to set up an account. Every bit of money that we get that we aren't expecting, we'll put into this account, because this building's coming up for closing. Three weeks in the deal, God had given us $25,000. We hadn't asked anybody for a penny, and we were putting it back. <clears throat> this vice president called me back. He said, Lonnie, you ready to close that old building in Lynch? I said, yes, sir, I'm ready when you are. He said, okay, day's Tuesday, next day, next Tuesday be your 30 days, bring me a cashier's check for $85,000, I'll bring you the deed, we'll just exchange it, it'll be yours. I said, okay, you get the deed ready, I'll be there. He said, how much money you got? I said, I got $25,000. That's what he did, he laughed. He said, now you know you need 85.' dollars I said, yes, sir, but I don't need it today. You told me next week. You see, God's never later early. He's always, he's right on time, every time. We wanted him to show up early so we can figure out what to do with all this stuff. But he doesn't do that with us. So I go out of town on Wednesday, uh, call my wife, and uh, she said, "Hun, this guy called and said that he wanted to send us down some money to use on the old building. That was now the ordinary. I don't know, even know how he heard now. But he's gone on to be with the Lord since that time. And um, I said, well, just tell him send it on down. Whatever he doesn't send, we'll pray for. Today's Wednesday. Got to next, next Tuesday. So I called her back on Friday. I said, "Honey, you say anything about that money? She said, yeah, he wired it down today. I said, wired it down? How much money did he wire down? She said, $65,000. <laughs> yes. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you, I didn't know that you, you know, when you get wired money, you can't run to the bank and get it right out of the bank. If you're a banker, you know what I'm talking about. I tried it. (laughs) You can't do it. It's got to go through this process, right? And so the money came available Tuesday at 12 o'clock. And I went down and got a cashier's check for $85,000, handed it to Mr. Irons there in front of what we now call Solomon's Porch Retreat Center, which you stayed in. And uh, Terry's eyes got big, and he said, boy, you sure are a man of great faith. I said, no. It has nothing to do with me has everything to do with the Father, and you can come to know the Father like I do through His Son, the Lord Jesus. And Terry gave his heart to Jesus that day. You understand? Because he saw God do something that he couldn't explain except to say, God did it. He knew I couldn't do it. I didn't have any money. But God has more than enough. Uh, That's that's an amazing song right there. i got to remember that one. Well, kind of fast-forward it. Um, I love horses I'll be through here in just a minute I love horses All I'm talking about is this right here Do so you be willing to lay it down and say Lord whatever you ride I'll do and uh, I've always loved horses grew up uh, working a farm with horses and when I got uh, teenage years I moved away and uh, didn't have a horse until I went to Mississippi I bought my first horse and when I moved back to Lynch I took my horse along a little mare and and uh, she'd soon be turning 30 years old and uh, I'd ride my mare up and down beside the road every day just to exercise her wasn't doing much ministry then I was just riding my horse As when I first got there and all of a sudden cars started pulling off side the road and kids would get out and sit on the hoods of the car and watch me exercise my little horse and uh, one day there were 12 cars 30 kids sitting on the hoods of the cars watching me ride my horse And God spoke to me that day and said, you need to let them go ride this horse. I thought, wow, what a novel idea. So I go up, ask the parents if they can ride. I start leading them around, tell them about Jesus. And lo and behold, they started giving their hearts to Christ. Children, teenagers, parents. It was incredible. Now, what is a horse? It's just cookie dough. Right? Just give it away, and God will take care of that. So I started riding them around, telling them about Jesus. They started getting saved. This guy comes by and said, man, I want to help you. My kids got saved here, and it's changed their life. They've just revolutionized them. And I want to help you do something. I said, well, I'm in pretty good shape. Uh, I'm content right where I am. <laughs> by the way, Paul didn't say whatever state I am. He didn't mean Kentucky or Illinois. He said, whatever circumstance I'm in, I'm content because God is there he is fulfilling everything every desire of our heart because our heart hopefully will beat with his heart his heart and so uh I said well I don't need anything he said well you need your own land put these horses on I said that'd be great but I'm not looking for more land I'm just they didn't charge me any boarding fees so I was pretty good then they started calling me and said we heard about your equestrian ministry and we want to give you a horse I said, Well, sir, I don't, I don't have a question ministry, but we're using a horse to minister to people. He said, Well, I want to give you one. And we got four more horses there. Now we had a herd. <laughs> Everybody giving us a horse. And this guy came, said he, I needed more land, so he went, went away, came back in a couple of weeks, and said, I bought you a 20 acre farm today. I said, Say what? Bought you a 20 acre farm. Now, I live in Lynch, Kentucky. Some of you can verify. It's 200 yards wide. And two miles long and the rest of it is mountains on either side am i right and i thought this guy bought me 20 acres right up on the side of this hill (laughs) and my horse is going to look funny with two short legs and two long legs trying to get around that hill (laughs) but when i went up and looked at that uh, 20 acres of land it was as flat as this stage nearly you agree flat as this stage And God began to multiply and sent a little guy over there out of seminary called Drew Baldwin. And Drew was the missing link. Oh, I'd been riding folks, telling them about Jesus, they were getting saved, but not to the same magnitude. Now we have 25 horses. God has given us um, 60 acres of land, all adjacent and most all of it flat. We have a youth camp and resort. We have two little ponds with cabins around the lake. Um, And we house, we have uh, camps every summer that's absolutely free. We never charge for a camp. And last year, over 3,000 people came through those camps. It's amazing, isn't it? But now, here's the key. 99% of those people who came through those camps will never know about Lonnie Riley riding his horse up and down the road and listening to the voice of God. You know why? It's not about Lonnie Riley. It's about the king in his kingdom. <laughs> do you see that? It's so amazingly simple. God continues to this day to do miraculous things. I've only told you a few. But I'm here to encourage you because God wants to do miracles in every person's life in this room. Every single one of us. But somehow, we're not connecting our daily affairs with what God's doing. He's working in your life every single day if you know Jesus. And he's providing for you in ways that you may not even be connecting with God. And it's happening all over the country. Can I tell you one more and I'll be through? I know y'all want to go eat now. Somebody said the worst thing you can do is preach to a bunch of people before they eat. Second worst thing you can do is preach to them after they eat. <laughs> They're going to sleep. <laughs> They're going to sleep. But anyway, my wife and I were down eating an ice cream in the parking lot, sitting there on a Saturday night eating an ice cream, and we noticed these cars were cruising. You know what cruising is, don't you? And every now and then they'd stop and hand something out the window. They were teenagers, and we surmised it's probably a drug deal going down. So God spoke to us that night and said, "I want you to put a teen center in town." Now you got to understand the way we pray. God's not going to answer a selfish prayer unless it's in his will. Okay? And so I got to ask the Lord, Lord, is this selfish? Now the last thing I need is a teen center. Somebody said if you want to stay young, stay around young people. If you want to die young, try to keep up with them. I'm not trying to do the latter. So we just prayed that God would provide us a place where we could minister to teenagers in a non-threatening environment, and we can share the message of hope in Jesus in a bad culture. And we prayed for two years. And all of a sudden, this guy called me up and said, I just want to know one thing, Lonnie. What's God laid on your heart that you've seen yet unfulfilled? Two years later, it came to my mind. We need to have a youth center. And he said, what do you see in it? I told him. uh, Pool table, foosball table, uh, video games that we choose we don't people hacking each other up with swords and all that um, and have a little refreshment bar where he come in and get a snack sit down and hear the message of hope in Jesus he said okay we'll pray with you about that a couple of weeks go by <clears throat> uh, he said I'm bringing your stuff up next week I said what stuff pool table foosball table big screen TVs uh, xbox all that kind of stuff and they've all been donated it's all brand new I said don't bring it they said, why not? I thought you wanted a use center. I said, I don't have anywhere to put it. Now, what would we do? Find an empty building, rent that empty building, then everything would be cool. We just put it in there. But see, we choose to wait on God. I said, well, God hadn't given us a building yet, but as soon as God gives us a building, I'll call you back. So some weeks went by. Local pharmacist called me up, and he said, Lonnie, I sold out my business to Rite Aid. He was a local pharmacist. And he said, I got to look, and I have a three-year lease on these two buildings downtown. I can't get out of the lease. I've got to pay the lease regardless. Can you use these buildings in ministry? <laughs> Do you understand? This is not rocket science. <laughs> I mean, I get excited about this. And uh, I said, yeah, we can. So I called this church in South Carolina. I said, God's ready now. Bring your stuff up. We opened up Club 118 Teen Center. Club 118 Teen Center. 250 street kids showed up. It was chaos. I didn't, I didn't figure 200. We did no advertisement. They just came. And inside, they were hearing about Jesus, but outside, they were fighting, and the police came. They thought we were a nightclub. And finally, the word got around that Club 180 is a Christian teen center. And God began to do that. And the church we have in Lynch today was begun from those teenagers who gave their heart to Jesus in Club 180 Teen Center and now had families of their (laughs) own. God is amazing. But now there are Club 180 Teen Centers in nine states across America. And not a single one of those teens, and somebody has said every single day Somebody, some teenager is given their heart to Jesus in a Club 180 teen Center. Not a single one of them will ever know about Lonnie and Belinda sitting in a parking lot eating ice cream and God saying, here's what you do. You see, it's not about me. It's about the king. It's not about you. It's about the king. But God wants to use your life in some way. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. What matters is, are you willing to say to God, it's already yes. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Do you understand? And maybe some of you are just having a hard time believing God. I know where you are. And sometimes God has to put you right in the middle of something so you'll have to trust him or not trust him. That's a good thing. Because now you can make a choice to live your life by faith And see God do miraculous things. That's what I want for all of you. That's what I want in your life for you to experience the fullness of God in such a way everybody in this room will have a story. And it will be just as impactful as any story you've ever heard. You know why? Because it's yours, it's your story. And my prayer is that you will begin to experience God in such a tremendous way that you will not be able to keep quiet. But you will say, let me tell you what God did today. One thing and I'm through, promise. I'm not like Paul who says I'm finished and write two more chapters. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you what it is. Uh, Jenny Santamane, Joe and Jenny were a couple in our church, had four little towhead kids. And I shared this with them. God will supply your need. If you're willing to trust him, it'll be miraculous what you do. She came to me one day, and she said, Pastor, i got to tell you about this story. There was another lady in our church named Janet Kokinji, And Janet um, was a young lady in her mid-twenties, and all of a sudden, she got throat cancer. And it didn't look like that Jeannie, um, Janet was going to make it. So, Jeannie, being good friends with Janet, was in her room praying on her knees in her bed, and God spoke to her that morning. And said, Jeannie, I want you to get up. Now, listen to the instruction. I want you to get up. I want you to go get a rose, take it to Janice's house, give her the rose, and pray for her. And if you will do that, I will raise her up. Boy, she got excited about that. She went into the kitchen, opened her purse. She didn't have a penny in her purse. Now, they were like most young couples. They live on 110% of their income. And um, so she called her husband, who was a forklift driver, Joe, in a local warehouse. Said, Joe, God spoke to me and told me this about the rose. Can you stop by on the way home and pick up a rose so I can take it to Janet, pray for her, and God will heal her. And uh, there's silence on the other end. (laughs) I'll never forget that. He said, Honey, you know, today's Thursday. We don't get paid till tomorrow, and I don't have a penny in my pocket. She said, well, what am I to do? God told me to do this, and what am I to do? You know what he said? Wisely, he said, I suggest you go back and get on your knees and ask God. He told you. I didn't tell you, so he told you. So she does. She goes and gets back on her knees again, and this time there was a knock on her door. She opened up the door, and there was a friend of hers hadn't seen for a long time. True story now hadn't seen for a long time. And she said, Jenny, my wife and I just bought the old flower shop downtown. We cleaned out the old flower shop, and I have one rose in the back seat of my car. Do you know of anybody that needs a rose? She said, immediately, I fell on my knees and began to share with her what Christ had told me. She got the rose, went to Janet's house, gave it to Janet, and prayed for her, and God healed her of that throat cancer. And now, that's the way God works. And now, all over the eastern seaboard, there's a great soprano voice in Janet Kokinji singing the praises of God. You know why? Because one little lady just like you obeyed God with a simple rose. And the kingdom is extended. You don't, there's nothing special about me. I'm just like every other man in this room. I may look different, I may act different, I may walk different but I'm just like you. There's nothing special about me but there's something amazingly special about the God we serve who sent His Spirit to live in us so that we could follow Him. That's what I want for you. Now, here's here's what I'm asking you to do today. I don't want you to do anything for me. If you do, it's going to be vain. But if you do it for God, I guarantee you it will see results in your life in the future that you and God will know about if no one else does. Maybe you're just having a hard time believing God and you just want to come this morning and do business with God and say, God, just teach me how to believe you again. I don't want, you don't want anybody praying with you. You just want to come and do business with God. I'm going to ask you to come right here and just kneel and pray and do your business with God. When you're finished, you can go back to your seat or you can talk to Brother Rick who will be here if you would like to speak with him. But maybe there are some of you here who are dealing with um, how you can believe God again. And you would like somebody to encourage you. Come along beside you. Put a comforting hand on your shoulder. And just whisper a prayer to the Father. If that's true, you come to this side. And some prayer warrior will be here. Hopefully they will. And put a hand on your shoulder. You don't have to ask them why they've come. You don't have to get into details. Just whisper a little prayer to the Father. Go back to your seat and let them pray. Over here, don't come and bother these folks. Just let them pray. But over here, come and encourage them with a prayer to the Father on their behalf. If God has encouraged you to believe him again, we're giving you that opportunity. Now, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. First thing I'm going to do is we're going to pray. Second, I'm going to ask you to stand after we prayed. And third, our musicians will sing. And fourth, I'm going to ask you to begin to come and take your place as God gives you leadership. If God didn't ask you to come, don't come. But if he told you to come, please do not leave without obeying the Father today. Maybe you need church membership as this church receives members. Maybe you need something special in your life. If so, come. Today's the day that we just meet together and worship God and trust and believe him to do what we cannot do. I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to ask you to stand. They'll sing, and you come. Let me pray. Father, we're grateful today that your word is true, and your word says let, it, let your word be true and every man a liar. Lord, we trust you and believe your truth today. In its simplicity, we trust you. And no matter how big it becomes, we'll continue to trust you, for there is no other way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through you. So we come to you, Father, through your Son, the Lord Jesus, and ask as you speak to these people that you would give them courage to be a trophy of your grace today. With every commitment and decision, whether that's private or public, you know, and we'll give you praise for it all, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please? She's going to sing. I'm going to ask you to begin to come very quickly now. Our invitation to be closed. Pastor Rick, come
0: right If you're here, may God spoke to you to come and spend some time with him. Ask him to straighten things out. Help you see what his will is for your life. And you want to pray just on your own, then come to this side, as Brother Lonnie asked. If you'd like someone to pray with you, just agree with you, then come on this side. The answer was yes. He didn't go to God telling God what he wanted. He didn't pick up the paper and say, God, this is what I want you to write on the paper. Sometimes we get our priorities mixed up and we're giving God a to-do list of what we want done rather than saying, God, we're asking you to have your way. That's one of the reasons I connected to him so much, because for years of my life, I had prayed, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. You, you show me and I'll do it. How many of you are willing to say that today? Lord, you show me and I'll do it. This is what I want you to understand. I want you to hear me. You can't tap dance with God god knows exactly where we're at he knows exactly the intent of our heart and he knows what we're doing lonnie had laid it all down surrendered himself belinda surrendered herself to god and said look i'm willing to give up everything i've got to follow you and do what you've asked me to do I'm telling you, when we get to a place where we're saying, no, God, I don't want to do that, we're in the wrong place. When we're giving God a list of what we want, we're in the wrong place. We have to come to God. And I'm telling you, you mark my word in the next few months in this year, you're going to see things begin to happen that you never thought were going to happen. God spoke to I I shared with you how God spoke that word to me. Providential was a word for 2012. It meant divine intervention. And God is going to intervene in lives and he's going to intervene in governments. He's going to intervene in circumstances. But I need you to hear what I'm going to tell you. If you're on the wrong side of that, you're not going to like that intervention. I said, if you're on the wrong side of that, you're not going to like that intervention. God is looking for a group of people that will say, whatever you want, God, is what I want. Would you say it with me? Whatever you want, God, is what I want. They're going to sing it one more time. Let me pray for you. They'll sing it one more time. I want you to continue to lift Lonnie and Belinda up in prayer that God will continue to order their steps. When he came, I asked him, I said, Lonnie, I said, I want you to come. I said, I want you to tell the cookie dough story. I said, we got a whole other group of people that haven't heard about cookie dough. Cookie dough had such a profound impact in my life because it was it was a way I had tried to live my life. God, I don't know what to do with this here. it's It's yours. I told people I stumbled into the will of God more than I ever knew it i just tried to live my life seeking after him and asking him to show me what he wants is that what we really want in our life is to be able to do what god wants amen just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now father we thank you for what you're doing in lonnie and belinda's life We pray, God, that you just continue to multiply it. God, open doors for them, God, that they don't even know are opening yet. Father, I thank you, God, for this congregation, Father, that you are today writing something on their paper. You are today letting them know you're more than enough. And today, God, we're saying not our will, but your will. We give you praise for it and thanks for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give them a hand clap of praise. Worship with them as they continue to sing.
2: Shire You are enough i True. Sure.